Blog Talk Radio. Now, 
breaking news. Uh, it's been reported at WAWNation.com as well as many other um, <clears throat> wrestling sites. Tyler Breeze is now on the main roster. There's been there's been uh talks of him coming up on the main roster and uh you know I'm spoiling spoiling it but I'm not spoiling it at the same time. But Tyler Breeze is on the main roster. Um you can read between the lines with that, me breaking me uh doing breaking news, announcing breaking news on a Tuesday night and saying that Tyler Breeze is on the roster. So I'm pretty sure that you can read between the lines. I am so disappointed with this decision. I'm also disappointed with the alliance that he's in now on the main roster. This guy had oodles of opportunities to be the guy in NXT as many number one contender matches and number one contender matches of matches that he's been in, he never won the NXT championship. Came close a couple times, but he's never won the NXT championship. Now, you know, people like Biggie and Seth Rollins, probably two of the most famous call-ups from NXT, both of them were NXT champions. And both of them ended up doing extremely well. And currently, both of them are champions. So those that, and I and I shared this with a, a good a colleague of mine today, and throughout this week too, that Biggie and Tyler Tyler uh, Black Seth Rollins, they came up to NXT when NXT was just. Developmental. It was it was simply a developmental territory with the with the hopes of people, you know, doing their you know doing their dues and going up to the main roster, hoping that they get some type of spot. But nowadays NXT is such an entity of itself. It's such a standalone brand. I actually wrote an article about that on Bleach Report uh, earlier this year, and such a standalone brand that people like uh, Tyler Breeze and people, you know, like I would say somebody like uh, um, uh, Chad Gable, someone like um, probably a Carmella, uh, someone like, um, you know, um, someone... I would say probably like uh, uh, Blake and Murphy, you know, like those people are doing well in NXT, and NXT is their deal, is their niche, and there's some people who just, like, your, your personality and your gimmick just isn't made for NXT. I remember when they tried to uh, bring... Um, uh, what's his name from the uh, America's Most Wanted Wildcat Chris Harris? I remember they tried to bring bring him. I mean, he was the man for a while. They even uh, uh, made, gave him like a main event push. Never won the title in TNA, but gave him like a main event push, and he was doing very well. 
and WWE sought that and brought him over. Uh, he was, um, I don't even remember his name in the WWE. Is uh, I'm sure it's someone who's listening through uh, Twitter or um, WAWNation.com. I'm sure they, they they'll remember uh, Kate. I don't remember. It was it was some odd name, and he lasted a hiccup in the WWE because he just wasn't fit for the the brand. Uh, someone else like uh, Kazarian, Fra- Frankie Kazarian. I remember when uh, he came up and had some uh, stints on Velocity. I believe it was, but just wasn't. Uh, wasn't fit. I mean, again, he just was not fit for the WWE, uh, unfortunately. And there's just some people. And, but you know, Chris Harris, he he really didn't, he really didn't bounce back after that, and he, and he got in, unfortunately got in really bad shape. Um, as far as Kazarian is concerned, you know, he 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 ended up doing well. I mean, he ended up uh, having one of the best. Uh, Tag teams in the business with uh, uh, the I keep thinking of the addiction, which they are now, but they were a uh, bad influence in in, uh, in TNA. Braden Walker was Chris Harris's name, but it's just you know pe- people like Tyler Breeze is just it's just a no no. I just. I, I just don't remember. He's just one of those people that I don't see doing much of anything on the main roster, especially a person he's, who, who he's paired with. And the thing is, right now the WWE has such a overage of heels right now, of mid-card heels, that it just doesn't make any sense at all to do that and you're and you're debuting him right before pay-per-view on smackdown i mean none of this <laughs> none of this at all just reeks of success none of it does unfortunately and so you know all the best to Tyler Breeze but i think he might have entered into a uh, a career ceiling right now because mid card heel uh, is is really the only thing that I see him doing, and that's unfortunately because he he has a very interesting personality. But I really don't see much going on with uh, with with Tyler Breeze, unfortunately. Yeah, well, the thing Tyler Breeze, he's going to get buried just like a lot of the other NXT that come up. I mean, his latest being Neville. I mean, Kevin yes. Owens, he had his he had his great run with Cena. I mean, that was there was something really special about that, and it's the fact that he's got the IC Championship now. I mean, he's still relevant, and uh, so he's one of the few that may have dumped what he's going to be doing six months from now. It's totally not up to me, but uh, you know, it's sink or swim. I don't think there's any shame in having a run in the WWE for you know a couple months or so, and then going back to NXT. Mm-hmm. I know that's. Uh, cross branding and you know it's trying to put everything together so it's just one giant federation. But you know, I mean that's not too bad if you do it sparingly. I believe. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that would probably work for him. Just have a, a, a brief stint on the in the WWE main roster and go back. Um, 
I really think that that may be the only thing that will work for him. It worked for it worked for Tyson Kidd uh, when he went back to NXT. That really revived his career, and uh, of course, it's working now for for Zack Ryder. Um, you know, the hype bros with him and um, Mojo Raleigh. So uh, it's it's worked. You know, it, it's it's one of those things where people are getting their career revived. You know, who just were nobodies, you know, eventually. I think Jack Swagger would be another person that would really benefit from having an NXT run. But we'll see. We'll see with Tyler with Tyler Breeze. And, you know, it, NXT is such a niche market in that you're the casuals. The casuals aren't supposed to know who Tyler Breeze are. And, that, and when you, you know, p- like SmackDown and, and Raw, you know, uh, such a chunk of those are casual fans. And they're not really supposed to know who Tyler Breeze is. I remember when Kevin Owens first came up, the the crowd was almost dead because they really didn't know who he I mean, this is Kevin Owens we're talking about. This is the NXT champion at the time. When he came up and, and started to initially make some noise, he didn't get a lot of reaction at all. So, you know, Tyler Breeze, I just don't know if that's going to be any anything different. Uh, let's see. In Your House, Bad Blood, 1997. Absolutely great job. Next question on today is... Two-part question. What was the first WrestleMania to have a Hell in a Cell match... And who were the participants? What was the first WrestleMania to have a Hell in a Cell match? And who were the participants? Let's talk about the Stone Cold podcast with Brock Lesnar that aired yesterday after after Raw. Now... It was a decent podcast to me. I really didn't, you know, it, 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 it didn't really seem like there was a lot of chemistry between Austin and Lesnar. Of course, they would refer to, I just talked to you about that today. I texted you about that a couple of days ago. So you know that there's some type of communication that they have outside of uh, wrestling. But it just seemed like, it just kind of seemed like a a weird interview. It, it really didn't seem like there was a lot of chemistry with, with Lesnar. And it just seems like probably Lesnar is just that guy that's just not very sociable. I mean, he admitted, he admitted it on the podcast that he didn't like people. And he has a very secluded home. And so it's just it was just weird to watch a lot of it. Um, you know, it was good to see a, a personal side of uh, of Brock Lesnar. That was good. Um, you know, it wasn't a lot of fun stories involved either. So it was it was a bit of a bust for me. Um, you know, one thing I am glad to see is there was uh, there were no tease at all about a, a WrestleMania match, and I'm glad that there, I'm glad that there weren't. 
there's there's conflicting reports. You know, Austin saying that he's not going to do it, and then you know a lot of reports saying that uh, that the match is you know is still likely to happen. I don't see Austin Lesnar at all because you know Lesnar's his deal, his brand is Suplex City, and no one you know Austin's neck. One suplex could could paralyze the guy, so I don't I don't think that Suplex City would be very applicable for Austin if they you know went against each other. So you know Lesnar would have to dilute so much of his move set for the sake of Austin. It just wouldn't make it just wouldn't make for a very interesting match. So you know you know him and Edge and Christian was very good. Him and Heyman was good. Uh, you know, him and Vince was good. Him and Triple H was okay. It was very kayfabe um, or kayfabe-like. So, it, you know, he, he hit Vince with the hard-hitting questions, so that was good. Him and Edge and Chris was probably my favorite one because it was a very – you could tell that they, I mean, you know, they have a very, very good chemistry together. And uh, it was it was a very exciting and funny and very casual uh, interview and podcast to to watch, but him and him and Brock Lesnar was just very it was very rigid to me and it just didn't really lack the chemistry that I wanted to see. I wanted to see more traveling up the road stories. I know he I know Brock Lesnar talked about riding with Taker and Kane and you know getting getting some good advice as he you know was getting in, in the business and. And I appreciate that, but at the end of the day, you know, pro wrestling is it's a it's a mindset, it's a mentality, and you could tell with Brock Lesnar that he's never been that guy. You know, he even he even meant that he's he never watched pro wrestling growing up as a kid. Um, so he's never been that guy. He's never been the guy to really have that pro wrestling mindset. It's just it's a paycheck to him. You know, so you know that's that's a bit of a turnoff for Lesnar. You know, he he's he draws money and he draws well, so I appreciate that from him. But otherwise, eh, you know, I I really there's not very notable positive takeaways from that interview. It was it was a bit stiff to me. Oh, man. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was great to see uh, kind of like a humble side of him. I mean, his philosophical take on he's humbled every day. And and I can believe Mm -hmm. that. I mean, farm boy, you know, rough ethic, you know, good for him. He's a self-made. He made himself. You can see that. And, yeah, that kind of put a nail in the coffin for me as far as, like, putting Lesnar up there. I'd never put him up there with a rock or stone cold, but to even mention his name now would just be like, yeah, no, he's nobody likes that. So it it was a turn off. I was expecting more, but uh, again, it was good. To, I appreciated the, his humble, you know, small town kid grew up to be what he is. But the thing about being on the road with professional wrestlers and stuff is like you respect these people so much. You watch them on TV, and now you're with them. You're looking at them, and it's just it's the fulfillment of that. And to him, it's just like yeah. You know, I saw Terry Funk the other day, big deal. You know, right. you can't respect that. It's a shame that, yeah, he's not a professional wrestler. I would never have categorized him in that, but 
this just really puts it. It's going to be like, hey, remember when he was on Stone Cold, Stone Cold podcast, and just totally said how he didn't really care. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That kills it. But, again, he's Brock Lesnar. I'm excited to see him come to the ring. I'm excited to see him on Raw. So, uh, I'm still a fan. I'm still behind him. So, Mm -hmm. whatever that. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I agree as far as just not really appreciating the business in that sense. You know, and and I think that there are – I don't know, man. Just me as a traditional wrestling fan. I mean, you, you know, you, you've wrestled. You know, you, you've been a, you've been a pro wrestler. You understand how it is to, you know, travel up down the road with with people that, you know, you, you know, just looked up to. You, you emulated, and so, and you know, I used to amateur wrestle, and I've, I've, I've known how to, you know. Um, just really appreciate. I've been a journalist and I've interviewed many wrestlers, and you know I've I've talked to wrestlers. You know I remember the time where I talked to Kurt Angle, and you know I, I remember those times, and you know and, and it's just I appreciate that. You know you and I, you know, understand how it is to really appreciate the business because you know both of us have been you know affiliated with the business and in some sort. So you know it's. You know, Brock Lesnar, I mean, I used to amateur wrestle too, you know what I mean? So it's, I mean, he's, he's much better than I am because he, he went further than I did as far as just passion is concerned. I, I stopped because I just, you know, just lost my passion in, in, in doing it. But, I, you know, it, it's still one of those things that you still appreciate those things. You know, you, you don't really just kind of whimsically shrug it off as if, it doesn't mean too much to you, you know? And I think that, especially in the pro wrestling business, it's just, you know, one thing you don't want to do, you know, from a business standpoint, I think Brock Lesnar is a genius. I think the very fact that he is only 38 years old and is able to have limited dates, you know, similar to UFC, you know, he does a few fights a year, you know, and has that type of, that contract, that's it's really good. I mean, people, I can understand why people would get jealous of Brock Lesnar, but I, I would have to side with Brock Lesnar on that sense because he's the one that, that drew the money, you know, to, to get himself in that type of position to be a prize fighter, to be that entity in and of itself, to be that brand that cannot be um, overexposed. So, Greatly appreciate that. I mean, greatly respect him on that sense. But at the same time, you know, you people, you have people like Sting, you have people like The Undertaker, who have been in this business for thirty years and understands how it is to really appreciate. I mean, I watched, uh, I bought Sting's DVD this week, and uh, I watched the the first uh, disc so far, and just. I mean, I've always I've been a lifetime sting mark. You can you can ask anyone who knows that I love pro wrestling, which is just about everyone I know, and they would tell you that Sting is my all time favorite wrestler of all time. And that's shout out to the addiction of, for for my redundance there. So, and, think and it's just adds another layer. You know, I, I'm not a fan, I've tweeted this before, I'm not a fan of seeing Sting without paint so much. But, you know, stuff like this, the, the DVD, I can appreciate that much more 
because Sting he's he's sitting down on his couch. I mean, there's there's a lot of takes in different places, but a, a good portion of the DVD he's sitting down on his couch and he's reliving old matches. He's reliving uh, Great American Bash 1990 and, and at 56 years old. Reliving something that happened 25 years ago, and still in shock and awe, and still enamored with the experience. That is someone I can respect. You know, reliving Starcade 1997, watching it, you know, on his couch and just kind of going through the motions, you know, letting us all just chime in with him. Uh, of just understanding how he felt and understanding how he still feels and how he's still just humbled by the experience. I mean, he's one of the greatest of all time, and he's allowing us to relive moments with him in that sense. Now, I can respect someone like that, you know, because he's been in the business for so long. He's a veteran. He's one of the best of all time, and he's still humbled by his career. I mean, I just... Someone like that will get my respect any day, just whatsoever, any day, and and just I have absolute mad respect for for Steve Borden, um, of course known as Sting. The correct answer: WrestleMania 15, Undertaker versus Bossman. Good job. Who won the first Hell in a Cell match? And who did he defeat? That's a pretty easy question. Who won the Hell in a Cell match? And who did he defeat? We'll get the answer in a minute. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners. Three. Our mind. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear we taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play like who defies the living God. Get out the big boys' way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings. You see in us, but our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood Hendrix Prizzle pinning them. To the max. And I'm Dash Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer, but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday, Raven, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals using. God for my defense in Alabama, we jamming. That's beautiful Bobby eating me and Priest. We the dangerous alliance, nah, the Harlem Heat. How to do rag before we do battle. You're talking shit, you all what you speak. This too sweet. Till the number is took back, we repping that wolf pack. The foundation shaking, no mistaking, yeah, we shook that. Trusting God, we trust, pushing forward, never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness, some people mistook that. Stamping out this crook rap, he turning the power. We're on, on the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and 
fruitful The owners in our group too It's good to be king Sold out this war it's brutal We playing them war games Our army go move too You crew, I'm in the Baptist With a bat in my hand And stand to shatter all your plans So they don't matter In the grand scheme it's that easy We tag teaming Steiner brothers, we love it Demand the win, establish it This the clash of the champions <laughs> This is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Hey, yo. It's survey time. Are you here to listen to the other podcast of the week? Or are you here to listen to P and P? Survey says... One more for the good guys. Absolutely, Derek. It looks like they're here to listen to Pancakes and Power Sam's tonight. Well, they better be. Where else are they going to be? This is the place to be. Down where? Here. That's where we are. Pancakes and Power Slams. We're going to be talking about Raw in just a few seconds. We've got this, we've got this taken care of, Chris. This is, this is the end-all, be-all for Tuesday night. This is the end-all, be-all, period. This is it. Of course, absolutely. This is the new Tuesday Night Titans. All right, so the Shawn Michaels beat The Undertaker, 1997. Wow, long time ago. Next question. Who did Triple H defeat in Hell in a Cell at Judgment Day 2002? Who did Triple H defeat in Hell in a Cell at Judgment Day 2002? I wouldn't ever listen to a second-rate wrestling podcast. P&P is it. Case close. Comment of the night. There you go. Absolutely couldn't have said it any better. Chris Jericho is the correct answer. Great job. Let's get into Raw. Now, here's the thing with Raw. Last week, we saw record lows on Raw. And that was absolutely sad. But what do you expect when the main event is Kane defeating Seth Rollins in a lumberjack match? And if that got so, if that was a record low, somehow it's a good idea to quote unquote suspend corporate Kane without even having Demon Kane come out. Why would you not have Kane on your go home show? to Hell in a Cell, and he's vying for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I have no idea how that legitimately makes booking sense in any wrestling promotion. Absolutely ridiculous booking. And I understand why you would have record lows, because you have matches like Kevin Owens against Kalisto. That's supposed to make me interested in watching Raw. And not changing the channel. But I don't change the channel because I have my own podcast. So even if I don't like it, I watch it because I care about you all. I, I, I'm i here for the people. People power. And I, and I watch matches like anything dealing with Divas Revolution. And Kevin Owens against Kalisto, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, and... And and the, and, the, and the bad thing about that is, even with Austin, Shawn Michaels, 
and Ric Flair, the needle barely even moved. So, like, not only do you have record lows last week, you barely have any type of movement in the ratings with three Hall of Famers. And just, I'm just, three Hall of Famers and The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar all on one show. Just it just it just it just boggles me how they how the WWE and the writers is just going to allow these things to happen. Like you, it gets to a point where you're dying a slow death if you just don't care about the ratings. If you're not looking at the ratings, I've seen you know I've heard people like Jim Ross say this, you know that that you have to. And, and and that's why I respect the heck out of Jim Ross because he was such a ratings guy. He was such, you know, he was one of those people who looked at the ratings, looked at the peaks, looked at the valleys, and paid attention to say, okay, well, this person was on here at this time. The ratings spiked. So this person is gaining interest. Let's keep going with this guy. And so that should always be you know that that should always be something that should be highly considered and one of the primary things that any uh, anybody in the on the writing staff should pay attention to is the spike of ratings throughout the night whatever whoever causes the spike run with that guy or run with that girl you know and and it's just it, it makes absolutely no sense to me that you're going to try to build a hell in a cell pay-per-view that's already, you know, out. It's already outstate as welcome because these gimmick pay per views are just the pits. I mean, having an every year event of two Hell in a Cell matches, how much is that diluting the Hell in a Cell? I remember when Hell in a Cell first started, it was just, you know, this Hell in a Cell match and. You know, we haven't done it in so so long, or we only do it once this time, or you know, it's a rare occasion. It it just doesn't make any sense to do it at all. You know, every year, twice in one night, just it it dilutes the the, the it, it dilutes the anomaly. It dilutes the, the the brand and the suspense of the match so much. And not only do you do that. But you don't do any. I mean, but the build is lackluster, so it just it just doesn't make any sense to me at all that you won't pay attention to the ratings. You have record low ratings last week, and to try to move the needle, you bring a bunch of you know Hall of Famers in, but it's you know. Kudos to Michaels, Austin, Flair, you know, and, and Taker and Brock, but you're not bringing anybody worth. You're not bringing any surprises. So, I mean, you know, all the all those names are fantastic, but those aren't, you know, people that would, you know, move a needle substantially in one week. So, I, it, it's it's sad to me how that's not. Uh, from from what we see on Raw every week, obviously that's not a major issue. That's not a major thing to pay attention to ratings every week. And that is why people 
turn the channel or don't even watch wrestling anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Chris. And it was almost like during Raw last night. I was excited to see the Star Wars trailer on uh, ESPN's Monday Night Football. Star Wars geeks out there, that was great, loved it. Anyway, so Monday Night Raw, it was so boring. Like you said, they bring on these big names. I love to see those guys, don't get me wrong. Especially Austin hasn't been there in four or five years, whatever that was. HBK and Flair show up every now and then. Flair comes out, he does his woo-woo-woo. Yeah, okay, that's that's great. But he's on Raw a lot, to tell you the truth. Right. Michaels makes it every now and then. But again, he doesn't really do anything. He just comes out and gives a speech, and and that's it. It's kind of there's no point for that to happen if there's not going to be any anything following that. Again, it's a total stalemate. I mean, it's like they're on life support. They just bring these people in, thinking, "Hey, this is going to work. This is going to be great." It doesn't work. It's not going to be great. We can see these people a lot, but the build up to Hell in a Cell again, it's watered down. Everything they do, even the Elimination Chamber, is watered down. And honestly, I never cared for Elimination Chamber that much to begin with. So the state of the WWE right now is just absolute boredom. They don't know what to do with themselves. I used to watch Raw, and I couldn't keep on of it. And now I have it on, like, it's on, but I'm doing other things. It's nothing to keep me where I need to be. Mm-hmm. Going into the uh, the season, this is special wrestling time, so I need to really kick it up in gear. Absolutely. Uh, got a comment, Owens fought Mark Henry. Yeah, we'll get to that. I'm talking about last week. Owens uh, fought Kalisto on you know their their some of their record lows of, of ratings last week, and uh, yeah, I'm somehow I'm supposed to be excited that Kevin Owens uh, went against Kalisto. This week we'll talk about Owens versus Henry, and yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Um, I don't know if I announced. Yeah, I, I, we announced the the Seth Rollins uh, stat. Uh, last week, Ryan and I did. Uh, but this week, I got another crazy, crazy stat. Before last night, the past 35 matches that Rusev has been in, his record has been a whopping 6-29. I repeat, 6-29. Nine, that is just absolutely insanity to me. That someone that you pushed for so long for an undefeated streak won, lost twenty nine out of thirty five consecutive matches. That that is just mind boggling to me. And we'll get to that six man uh, here in a minute. Next question. Next question on the map is who costed Ryback the the match. Versus CM Punk at Hell in a Cell 2012. Who cost Ryback versus CM Punk at Hell in a Cell 2012? Steve Austin introduced The Undertaker. Brad Maddox is is the correct answer. 629, that's how you rebuild a monster. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Steve Austin introduces The Undertaker, promo interrupted by Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Uh, you know, mm, nah, it was a, it was a okay setup for, 
you know, uh, Hell in a Cell, but it, it certainly didn't do anything to to really bring interest to me at all. Uh, then we get New Day and uh, defeating John Cena and Dudley Boys, and of course we'll get to Hell in a Cell predictions at the end of the show. Xavier Woods goes through a table post match. Um, you know, I I think the Dudleys are, I think that they're. Excitement wore off very quickly. I don't know why. I just, I really don't know why the Dudleys' excitement wore off so quickly. When they first came back, it was just awesome. When when you know Bubba Ray came back at the Royal Rumble, he got one of the biggest pops of the night. When the Dudleys came back, you know, recently they, you know, people popped. They were way over, but. For some reason, it just it, it, they just lost their luster that that quick. I don't know what it is, but you know they're they're solid. They're 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 a very solid team to put over the new day to make the new day relevant. I think it, I think this is a great idea to bring them in to feud against the new day. I think the new day is the hottest thing in the WWE right now, hands down, and. Bringing someone in like the Dudley Boys is to me is is a really good idea, because you know you, they try to bring in New Age Outlaws to bump up the Usos. There weren't bad matches at all, but just the New Age Outlaws to me, eh, it was just there was just nothing about the New Age Outlaws that just reeked of excitement. You know, fifteen years later to me, the Dudley Boys they. Just about looked the same. Still, you know, same cool music, the cool theatrics. They still, you know, pump up the crowd, but just their luster is just diminishing. And you know, I hope that something different happens. That you know, I can see this, and most likely this feud will go for the rest of the year. And I'll give you my prediction of how I think it's going to happen. But. You know, it's a it's a solid build, but it's not very it's not very exciting anymore. I don't know what it is that about the Dudley Boys that is is losing their excitement. But you know, hopefully they can continue to build the new day and and make them uh, you know very credible uh, contenders. The Hardy Boys coming back against the New Day will also be pretty cool, but we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, just bringing back credible. Vintage teams, uh, I would be a fan of. I think, I mean, to, uh, get to go against the New Day. Um, of course, you can't bring in Ez and Christian because they're both pretty much done with injuries. You can bring back the Hardy Boys, but they're still kind of tied to TNA, if that's a such thing, because TNA is pretty much done after this uh, world title series. Uh, yeah, they got a uh, deal with India. We've got some taping scheduled there, and they got uh, the great Kali that's uh, with them now, uh, plugging them in India. And by the way, uh, kudos to James Storm for coming to NXT. Very good move for James Storm. And uh, two two things: one, he didn't know that he was in the World Title Series because they weren't told that before. They just start making a bunch of tape matches and it's interesting because Spud doesn't you know currently he's got he's got, he has visa issues so he's not necessarily currently with the company Kenny King is not with the company anymore he's with the All Night Express and I'll, I'll actually be seeing them live next week 
And Austin Aries isn't with the company no more. He's gone. He's he's acting now. James Storm isn't with the company anymore because he's with NXT. So you just have all these random just world title series matches, and it's just it's not exciting. So we'll talk about more about TNA another time when we have when we have more time to talk about it. But you know, it's it's unfortunate to see their their demise seemingly, but bringing back the Hardy Boys would be a very, very good idea, but I don't know what it is about the Dullies, Derek. It's just, they're, they're a solid team. It's, it's, it's cool to see them, you know, personally, but I don't get very enthused when they come out that much. Well, that's strictly the reason that it's got to be because they're too big of a name just to bring in and have them lose as many times as they have, or, it's not made any advancements, and it's yeah, they should come in. They should win a title. I don't want to see them win the title from the new day yet. That's why it's just kind of a weird situation. It's kind of a, a how do we adjust to this? This is a big name. They should come in, totally dominate, and take over the tag team division again. But you got a team like the New Day. You don't want to do that yet. You don't want yeah. you want to keep them up there. And so the Dudleys are there. They should have the titles because they're just that that tough. But the new day is still white hot. You got to keep them there, and so it's just kind of that's why it's lost its luster because there's no the Dudleys. They beat the new day; they're the champions. That's great. Well, how does that make the new day look? It's, right. it's one of those things. And you got a good point. I'd love to see the Hardys come back, and you know that would be that would be legitimate to see some old tag teams just come back. And and I didn't think the new Age Outlaws were that bad of a thing, but again, they were against the Usos different type of chemistry went on there, so the Hardys will be a good choice. I'd be excited to see something like that. And I want to make a petition. I'd love to see Kurt Angle come back to the WWE as well. Of course. Who wouldn't want to see Kurt Angle come back to the WWE? That would be absolutely amazing. Next question. What paper... Yeah, Brad Maddox is the correct answer. What pay-per-view and year... Two-parter. What pay-per-view and year was Cactus Jack forced to retire... After losing a Hell in a Cell match, what pay-per-view and year was Cactus Jack forced to retire after losing a Hell in a Cell match? Ah, we got Nikki Bella and Lisa Fox against Naomi and Sasha Banks. Now, I actually watched this match uh, with the intent to analyze it. And I was so disappointed. I mean... It's really tough for me to watch a main roster match. No, I'll watch the entire Iron Iron Man match between uh, Bailey and Sasha, and it was absolutely amazing. And there's reports of people people saying that them crying, you know, kind of messes up the you know the the spirit of, of the competition. Hogwash! Just this just ridiculous trying to pull something from the air, reporting and and just views. It, that's yeah. This makes no sense. Respect, you know, respect the emotions that female shows and respect the fact that this, I mean, like, again, you you got to get to a point where you respect the heck out of this business that you're not ashamed to cry after a 30-minute amazing match that was one of the best of the year. Uh, I just... It's ridiculous to me. That's just ridiculous to the thought process of complaining about people crying after matches. 
I mean, Rick Flair, if that's the case, Rick Flair is one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. He cried so many times after matches. You know, you can make a river out of it. So, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Now, I don't like people being sappy in storylines like the Big Show. You know, Big Show just sappy and he cried, you know, so many times after storylines. Some seven-foot giant crying over, you know, crying crying over just random, crying over Stephanie McMahon, you know, uh, telling him that he's fired and just, you know, just just ridiculous stuff. It, uh, I remember he uh, was feuding with Del Rio, and, and, and after one of those segments, he was crying. And just just ridiculous, random craziness. But just, you know, crying after an amazing match that everybody is so engulfed in and respects the heck out of you and and it even brings an extra layer because you know you, you, the two of you are crying after a match. I, I'm I respect that. I, I kudos to to that. You know, Sasha Banks broke down crying. You know, she just was she collapsed because she was just so filled with gratitude. You know, and and, and appreciation for that. And Bailey, of course, was crying in the ring and. I just don't understand why that's even an issue. Well, it shouldn't be an issue. I mean, I I cry. I'm sure you cry, Chris. You're a big cry. I don't baby. actually. I, I I don't cry at all. I, I you know, I, I cry. Yeah. I I cry when I when I worship God, but um, uh, other Go other than that, uh, you know, yeah. I don't. I don't cry much, but I don't have a problem with it. It's not, you know, I'm I'm a a big muscular, you know, six foot one, you know, black guy with locks, and uh, you know, I'm st- I'm not afraid to cry, and I don't see that I don't see the issue with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, Ric Flair, he's an emotional guy. That's the thing about wrestling. You gotta have passion. You gotta have emotion, and it's. Well, however you bring it, it doesn't matter if you bring it out of hatred. It doesn't matter if you bring it. People love you, right. and praise you, and think you're the best thing. Think you're the biggest dirtbag ever. It's an emotion. Exactly. You bring it out of you. That's what wrestling does. It's the passion play that some people get, and the people that get it love it. And if they cry, or they get emotional. They jump out of their chair. They scream and shout and high five. That's what you do. That's what wrestling brings out of you. Whether you're a performer, you're in the seats, you're sitting at home. It doesn't matter. Well said, absolutely. What was the first singles Hell in a Cell match Triple H lost, and who did he lose to? Bunch of two-parters tonight. Uh, we're we're going to see who the Hell in a Cell scholars are. Again, what was the first singles Hell in a Cell match Triple H lost, and who did he lose to? Um, yeah, but this match, this this match with uh, Bella and, and and Fox against Naomi and Sasha Banks, I, the the person who I'm most upset about in this match is Nikki Bella. She was the most horrible time person in the entire match. She didn't let. She barely even let any of you know. Either both Naomi or Sasha Banks, you know, just a, a random hot tag. You know, this is 
this is what I've learned from from watching wrestling. And you've been, you know, you you've experienced this, Derek. When someone, when the babyface gets the hot tag, you are at his mercy. You are going to run towards him. You're going to take a clothesline, most likely. You're going to take some type of back elbow smash. You're going to take something. You're going to run towards him, and you're going to land on the mat. Not you're going to try to punch the person or kick the person when they're getting a hot tag. That just absolutely made no sense at all. If y'all, if 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 anyone still has, I know that this will be very tough to do, but if anyone still has that on DVD on DVR, go back to that match and watch how horrible Nikki Bella wrestled in that match. She botched so many spots because she was just playing bully to me. It just. She wasn't allowing Naomi to get spots in. She was just trying to do her, you know, Naomi or Sasha would try to do a series of kicks, and she'll just, like, randomly kick them, you know, in between their series of kicks or punches. You know, she would try to reverse stuff, and it just would look weird because it would just be off-timed, ill-timed. Just, I mean, I was so appalled with watching Nikki Bella in this match. And it just really seemed as if she's trying to kind of cement her spot in the echelon of, you know, WWE people in the pecking order or something, because this, this match was awful to watch strictly for the sake of Nikki Bella. I I was just so, I was flabbergasted after I watched that match. It's probably the worst match I've ever seen. I mean, every, how could you not notice that? She was so – I've never been a Nikki Bella fan. I always thought she's just a wannabe. She'll never be anything other than a diva, and that sucks, and I hate that part of wrestling right now. But it was just an absolute travesty. And it, it, how could – again, I mean, how could she sleep at night? How could John Cena even want to date this chick? It just <laughs> – it was that bad. And it's just, again, it just was another nail in the Divas coffin, and this Divas crap needs to leave. Because, again, you mentioned, you watch NXT, and they have exciting matches. The Divas division, the women's championship division, yes. is exciting matches. I love the Iron Man match. I watched that. 30 minutes. The whole 30 minutes, you're sitting there watching it. It was great. Divas. They're divas, they're prima donnas, and I just, I'm a broken record. I say this every week, and I'm tired of saying it. I don't want to say this anymore, WWE. I'm tired. Just let the women wrestle, and that's it. If they can't wrestle, if they're too posh and polished, let them go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Vengeance 2005 against Batista, absolutely. WWE World Heavyweight Championship. When was the first time a title changed hands at a Hell in a Cell match. When was the first time a title changed hands in a Hell in a Cell match? And who were the who were the uh who were the competitors? First time a change hands. Very interesting stat here. Saw Michaels in ring promo interrupted by Seth Rollins that uh, leads to Seth Rollins versus Ryback. Couple things here. Why are you having Ryback lose cleanly before Against someone else before his match, his Intercontinental title rematch. 
and the pay-per-view, you know, this is the go-home show to the pay-per-view. He's losing clean to someone else before, you know, his 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 title match. That doesn't make sense to me. And then secondly, it just really, I mean, Shawn Michaels owns Seth Rollins on the mic. It just didn't seem like he even really intended to do such. But just, I mean, he just brought so many good points. He told, he talked about how, you know, when Shawn, he he didn't desire to be a version two of anybody. You know, and which which made an excellent point. And then you know he just he he just owned him. Talk about the you know when you're a version two, you don't get you know you don't get to say hit my music, and uh, you know I don't I guess this is just the crash you know crash TV in me you know the 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 pseudo you know crash TV in me. I really wanted to see a super kick. Of, of Shawn Michaels to Seth Rollins. Now I'm sure we'll we won't see Shawn Michaels versus Seth Rollins. I'm sure Shawn Michaels won't come out of retirement. I respect him for not doing so. You know there was there were rumors that he you know might come back out of retirement to to go against Daniel Bryan. There were rumors that he might he might come back out of retirement to go against Triple H. But Seth Rollins versus versus Shawn Michaels. Would would be I would be totally okay with that for WrestleMania, but what's so sad about Seth Rollins' booking is that to me it wouldn't even elevate his character if he beat Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. To me, it just he beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, and that didn't do anything for his character. So yeah, it just it, it just Seth Rollins is at the point now. Where his character is just so, just <laughs> it, it's so damaged that you're trying to play damage control by actually having the title on him, but it's it's to the point that it really can't be salvaged unless he you know unless he makes a baby face turn unless he makes a face turn. And I know, you know, we'll get to the whole Shield reunion here in in a little bit, but, you know, he, he's Weasley. I mean, Derek, you've said many, you talked about his bad promo work, very monotonous promo work many times. He's even getting boring chants now when, he, when he's on the mic. And it's like, Seth Rollins is just so boring to me. I just... I mean, a heck of a talent. Uh, just his gimmick is boring. I wouldn't say he's boring because he's just—he's a heck of a talent, uh, an amazing talent in the ring, awesome worker. But his character is so boring that I just—he has to be one of the worst WWE champions. I want to say it of all time. I would have to say that Seth Rollins is in the top five. Worst world heavy, WWE World Heavyweight Champions of all time. I I just I can't I can't think of any group of people right now that's worse than Seth Rollins during their WWE World Heavyweight Championship run. I, I to be honest with you, I can't think of anybody right now. And I'm going down the line. I'm you know I'm I'm thinking of people for the past dozen years, and I don't see anybody. I'm looking at the past 20 years, and I don't see anybody. 
I I can't think of anybody who's been worse. Uh, I'm trying to think. My memory's not that great. But it's just totally, yeah, Rollins is boring. And he's, I call him monotone Billy. He's just, well, I'm really fed up this week, and I'll tell you why I'm fed up, because Kane, doggone, you come out, Demon Kane, you think you're the best. I mean, <laughs> put some enthusiasm in your voice when you're mad, or do something. And it's, it's to the point where it's almost, I almost feel bad for Seth Rollins. Because uh, does he know in his mind that, I mean, this whole time's almost been a joke. It's been a farce. I mean, it's not WWE history. No one's going to remember his title reign other than, like, yeah, remember when Seth Rollins had the title? Yeah, me either. So, right. it just, about it, it just, yes, like you said, the guy has a tremendous talent. And WWE cannot erase the last few months that he's been the champion. And they have to answer for that. And if they don't, then the ratings are going to continue to plummet. But, yeah. you know, what's, what's it going to be? When's he going to lose the title once and for all and be done with all this? He could make a face turn. I don't know if that's going to save anything, but, you know, you saw, like we said, you saw what he was with the Shield last night, and they kind of picked up where they left off, but to an extent where it's, I don't know how believable it's going to be if they ever really do get back together. Mm, yeah. Uh, great great job. Undertaker versus CM Punk, Hell in a Cell. Uh, 2009, Undertaker won the World Heavyweight Championship from CM Punk. Next question, who were the six participants in the Armageddon Hell in a Cell match? That's probably one of my favorites, actually. The six participants in the Armageddon, Armageddon Hell in a Cell match. I actually need to watch that soon, because that was actually probably my second favorite Hell in a Cell match, the Armageddon Hell in a Cell match. Well, who was your first and second favorite? Uh, Hell in a Cell, first as always, will be uh, Undertaker Mankind. Yep. Uh, second Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Second Hell in a Cell. Honestly, to me, my favorite was um, Triple H and Undertaker at WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, that was really good. Last couple. Yeah. That was. It, was a, it was a great, I love it. I think uh, HBK was the uh, referee. And uh, Absolutely. that was just really stuck out, and I loved that match. Loved it. I would say that's uh, I would say that's three for me. Uh, I think there was a lot of uh, psychology in that match, and I, I really, really, really liked that match. The reason why Armageddon Hell in a Cell match is so a uh, reason I liked it so much is because it's it's a it's a rarity. It's a six six man Hell in a Cell match that was in. Uh, 2000, and 15 years later, we 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 haven't seen it. So it just, you know, it's 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 a rare breed. It's never happened. It's like to me, it's like the 92 Rumble. You know, just something that happens once in a lifetime. You know, and very 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 interesting. Um, and I would I would love to. I would love to see it again. I, I really, really would love to see that once again. Um, uh, Fifteen years later, you know, I I was just a big fan of of that, and I was a big fan of uh, good job with the correct answers. Uh, Kurt Angle, Undertaker, Rock, Austin, Rikishi, and Triple H. I'm 
I'm a I'm a big guy of trying to give of pushing. I was I was a big fan of of pushing like upper mid carters, kind of giving them that bump in some in some way. And at that point, Rikishi was an upper mid carter. He's the the bad man gimmick. And uh, yeah, it was just it was really really awesome to me. I was I was a big I was a big fan of it, and I, and I wish that we'll see it again. I really wish that uh, we will see that moment again. And I don't know if we ever will, but it would certainly be something very very interesting to uh, to see again. Absolutely. Alrighty, next I actually have. Uh, I actually have a, a article that I wrote uh, over three years ago on, on Bleach Report, and uh, um, talked about you know how much I like the uh, the Hell in a Cell um, Hell in a Cell concept. So I was I was a big fan of that. I checked it out on Bleach Report. I wrote that uh, three years ago. Wow, it's 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 crazy how long I've been doing this stuff. All right, so. <laughs> 92 Rumble, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, 92 Rumble, we'll, we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, it's funny that the Royal Rumble is only three months away. Uh, time is just flying by, but yeah, we'll, you know, come late November, early December, we'll basically lock up our shows with just Royal Rumble trivia and and, and reliving uh, Royal Rumble moments for sure. Next question, who were the two Hell in a Cell, what were the two Hell in a Cell matches at the 2014 pay-per-view? What were the two Hell in a Cell matches at the 2014 pay-per-view? Next, we have Keen Barrett, Sheamus, and Rusev defeating Dolph Ziggler, Cesaro, and Neville. If Barrett and Sheamus defeating uh, Cesaro and Neville on SmackDown wasn't enough, you add Ziggler in the mix. And have them lose again. But for some reason, this match merits a rematch at the kickoff show. Now, the kickoff show was originally scheduled uh, Randy Orton and Dean Ambrose against uh, Braun Strowman, Braun Strowman and uh, and and Luke Harper. But conspicuous by their absence, and we'll talk about. Eric Rowan's lackluster return here in a minute, but conspicuous by their absence, Randy Orton and Luke Harper, they just kind of sidelined, they just kind of, they just kind of uh, sideswiped Luke Harper being gone. I know they kind of mentioned, you know, him, you know, that it's going to be uh, even more powerful force with four people, and they mentioned his name. And then now, and then they start saying, you know, Randy Orton was supposed to be in the Mexico tour and so forth. And then they're, you know, uh, they're doing it on a uh, wide angle. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too enthused about this, to be honest with you. I, but the thing is, there's such a shortage of baby faces right now in the WWE. I mean. There's not really a you can't even grab a handful of of baby faces to say okay these people are the guys you know as far as how they've been building certain people and it's so sad that that we don't have that it's just absolutely ridiculous the question I just asked you know you had six people you know Rikishi was the odd man out 
in, in that equation. But he, you know, I, I believe he still deserved to be in that sixth spot because I was happy that they actually gave him gave him a shot to be a main eventer during that time. But at least I would include Rikishi. But at least, undoubtedly, five out of those six competitors, you know, were were in one match, and they all were world cha- former world champions. They all were top names, and you know. They all, you know, you all can, all of them were, could be included to say, okay, well, we can just swap any people, any one of these people out and put another one right on top as world champ. You can't, you can't do that anymore. 2000, you had six people that could do that. And it's just so sad, you know, that it had to happen that way. And, you know, of course, and that was 2000 at that time. You know, you still had you had Chris Jericho who was you know real big. You had you know Eddie Guerrero who was who was coming up. You had you know of course Chris Benoit. You had you know you, you had still some upper mid carters that could have been inserted in Rikishi's spot too. That you know all the aforementioned names became world champions, and so you had so many names that were somebody that could have done something and could have swapped out and become on top. Again, as I say, for consecutive weeks. You don't have that now. And with people like Randy Orton gone with a alleged, you know, suspected shoulder injury, you know, it's a shoulder injury, so who knows how long he's gonna be gone. So it's making it's it's diluting a very weak set of baby faces even more. And please, as much as people know I'm a Roman Reigns guy, do not I'll repeat, do not Thrust him back into the main event scene. You made a huge mistake by doing that January of last year in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Do not make that mistake again. You've done a great job of organically building him, having a really good match against Daniel Bryan, probably his best match ever. Uh, it was a good match. It wasn't anybody carrying anybody. It was a legitimate. It was a legitimate good match. The match against Brock Lesnar was absolutely incredible. Had the underdog pop. It was a brutal match. It was very good. His match against Randy Orton was good. His matches against Bray Wyatt have been decent. So you, even his match against Big Show, you know, was, was it became good. And, you know, you were in a, a very hostile crowd in a match. You're Roman Reigns, someone who you know, gets a bunch of hate, you're in a match against the Big Show in a hostile crowd, and by the time the end of that match happens, you become cheered. That alone is worth patting yourself on the back back about. So they're doing a good job organically organically building Roman Reigns. I think John Cena and Sheamus are two people that you should uh, feud with in in the near future to continue to get those uh that natural organic pops. And so yeah, I do not do it. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Do not do it because if you decide to do it, it is totally the WWE's fault if Roman Reigns becomes booed even more that you have to turn him into a heel and if someone is booed so much that he has to turn into a heel, it's not the the, the it's 
he the, the element of surprise and the shock value is taken away if he has to become heel because he's getting booed so much. So that will even further put Roman Reigns' you know, career in the ground. So don't do it. Have him remain mid-card. I don't even know if Ambrose is a good choice because he's been just wallowing in, in, in nowhere's field for, for just about the entire year. Yeah, he had a world title match and feuded against Seth Rollins, but, you know, he's just been, you know, <laughs> just doing a bunch of nothing this year too. So, I mean, it's really sad. There's not a set of solid baby faces that we can count on now. Uh, there isn't any baby faces we can count on. I mean, they're all – go back to the, the match we were talking about on Monday Night Raw, Dolph Ziggler, Cesaro, Neville. Neville should go back to NXT. Dolph Ziggler, he's he's just been stuck in limbo for so long now. And it's, you got the Rusev. I mean, that just – the angle between Rusev and Ziggler wasn't good. It was boring. It was tired. It was played out. Now that they make it public that he's engaged a lot, I mean, that whole angle is for nothing now. I mean, what are they going to do with that? It's just mm-hmm. – there's nothing doing with anything anymore. I mean, putting King Barrett, Sheamus, Sheamus is money in the bank. I mean, he's a heel, and he's a boring money in the bank to have that briefcase. Barrett's a nobody. I mean, it's that was just – and to have this match again for the pre-show of Hell in a Cell pay-per-view – I mean, we've seen enough. We're done with it. We don't even want to see it. And and it just goes to show the pre-show is just a match that should probably be on, you know, what's the WWE superstars. It's, yeah, it's main enough. event, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. main event. <laughs> and it's, WWE is just, like I said, the state of the WWE right now is just at an absolute low. I didn't know we could say that because last year we were probably saying the same thing. But it's done that. Good job, WWE, for making wrestling a meh. I don't know. Exactly. It could end up pay per view. I hope it is. Yeah, absolutely. What year did DS compete against the McMahons in Big Show? What year did uh, DX compete against the McMahons and Big Show in the Hell in a Cell match? And Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins and John Cena versus Randy Orton. Are the correct answers? Um, we had a return last last year to have on the sale. Uh, speaking of Dean Ambrose, another few that uh, ended up losing. All right, so we get uh, Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt face off, entering, sitting down again. Too much talking by Roman Reigns. Just you know, I, I was watching SmackDown and. How you know how they first introduced the Hell in a Cell match? How are you going to have Roman Reigns one week do a lot of talking on Raw, and then the next moment you have him come down, and you have Luke Harper and Braun Strowman uh, on each side? He gets in the ring. He's looking at Bray Wyatt. Who's you know facing him in the ring? He gets up in the ring, looks looks on the corner of his eye, goes up to Roman Reigns, and says "Hell in a Cell," and barely says any other you know any words, and walks away. 
Now that Roman Reigns, I, I I think, is needed because you shouldn't be talking so much. But unfortunately, no, we you know well you know you you fear me, you fear me, you fear me, and you're pointing you're you're poking him on the stomach. This isn't high school. How in what happened to character development? What happened to actually protecting your characters instead of them sitting down in the ring and you have your, you know, Samoan bad boy, you know, supposed to be just the enforcer, the no-nonsense machine. You know, you have him talk so much and you have him poke Bray Wyatt in the ring as if he's trying to manipulate him outside during recess. It just absolute ridiculous to me. And then instead of having some type of announcement or even angle build to bring Roman back in, yeah, we'll just have him be next to Bray Wyatt in this white mask next to Bray and have Braun Strowman in this black mask and don't really say much about it other than small talk that we're supposed to act like we don't hear. Wait, was that? Who's that? Well, is that? I see a white mask. Like, I mean, just horrible character development, horrible way to bring back Eric Rowan. He ended up getting speared anyways at the end of the match, so it really didn't matter that he returned. It just, just terrible protection and character de- development. Horrible. Uh, the character development, it's everything across the board. I, I We've just mentioned this so many times. There's nothing that the WWE can really produce today that's really going to make any sense to anybody. And it's... Um, you want to get it on, it starts with the Divas, the Bellas, and then you've got with Ryback, and we said with Ambrose, Reigns is such a boring promo guy. Oh, what else can you really do to shove this down our throats and tell us this product is garbage? I mean, you've got Brock Lesnar that comes in. He's a saving grace, and this guy could even really care less to be there. Right. I take that back. <laughs> not to be there, but he's not the passionate character that you want. I mean, you have the people there that want to do the best thing, the brass ring club. But you smash them and crush them, and you've got people that are just second-rate names. You have no household names anymore. Uh, like you, We've said this a million times, Chris, you just did, about how 10 years, 15 years ago, you could have at least five legitimate people that could be the champion and be a believable champion. You've got nobody now. Okay, you've got Cena and Lesnar. That's about it. That's all. You could have other champions, but you don't give them the time to, to do that. So really, I mean, it's just a total catastrophe. And it's the state of emergency. The WWE, if I was Triple H, I'd be nervous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So much investment in NXT, and your your main brand is, you know, disintegrating. Kevin Owens, oh, Charlotte defeating Brie Bella, whoop-de-doo. Kevin Owens defeating Mark Henry. Ryback comes out, and Mark Henry rolls Owens in, and Ryback powerbombs Owens. Again, you know, Mark Henry, you're a part-time bully. I've been a bully for 19 years. I mean, just 
the one-liners that Mark Henry has is absolutely impeccable. He's the king of just bully one-liners. Absolutely. I mean, my favorite Mark Henry line is when he, you know, you know, played possum basically with uh, Porter Ruse over over John Cena, and with the salmon, <laughs> with the salmon jacket. And, you know, talking about he's going to retire and just World Stronger Slam, he says, you think it's that easy? I got a lot left in the tank. That is is my favorite Mark Henry line of all time. And other than than that's what I do, but just the one-liner, just absolutely impeccable. And he still has them. He's still still probably one of the best, the top, Probably one of the top five smack talkers in, in, in WWE today. Even even as a 19-year-old vet who loses every match now. I don't know the last time. Other than I think it was like some, uh, I think it was like him and primetime players against the New Day. I think he won that match. But I can't think of the last singles match that Mark Henry's actually won. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do some, some research after the show and, and, and tweet about it. At Crave Wrestling, I, I think I'm going to do some research about that. The last singles match, televised singles match, that Mark Henry has won, or if someone else, if someone has that that uh, info before we go off the air, uh, please let me know. The last singles match that Mark Henry's won, and I talked about an angle last week with Mark Henry and Kevin Owens. They had chemistry together. You know, Owens was getting just pummeled. You know, Mark Henry was holding his own. The pop-up powerbomb was impressive. But for this to be a one-off match, to me, was a horrible, horrible idea. Mark Henry and Kevin Owens should have been a pay-per-view match down the line, hands down. Absolutely should have been a pay-per-view match, Derek. You could still build Mark Henry up to be the all. He could still do it and pull it off, but you make him such a wuss for a long time. They could absolutely tear house down. I mean, there's nothing that you could do with those guys. Choose to make Mark Henry look like a putt, and there's nothing else. It's just show that doggone it. It's too much on three or four. People. You don't let up the veterans flourish. I want to think that would, for me, I would definitely build it up to the right side. And they actually made Mark Henry look like the legitimate tough guy that he is. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, of course, uh, we got the Shield 2.0 come back and. It was interesting. They did the whole stare down, you know, get closer to the ring and get on top of the ring and, uh, you know, get on the apron and then get in the ring and face off like they did, um, like they were doing, you know, beginning of last year when they were feuding against each other. It was interesting. It was interesting just to spend our thoughts for a second just to see the shield against the Wyatt family. Very interesting, but, you know. Somehow, Seth Rollins had to pull the heel walkout tactic as if 
that's going to actually do anything with his character. And it surely didn't, and it was just ridiculous to me. It, again, made Seth Rollins look weak. It makes Seth Rollins look weak. Like I said earlier, I mean, the Shield, it didn't really do much for him. If they did get back together, there's been so much bad blood between them. This wouldn't be that believable. It was a throwaway match, a throwaway Raw. I'm so tired of seeing the Wyatts against, you know, Reigns and Ambrose and vice versa. I'm done with it. What else are you going to do with this match? Just have it be done by Hell in a Cell and just start over. They they deserve it. They deserve that much. Mm, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. Absolutely, it is time for the Flavor of the Week. The last television, uh, the last singles match that Mark Henry won, television singles match, the Mark Henry one um, has not been in the past year. He's not won a singles match in the past year. That is absolutely incredibly ridiculous. King of the Ring 1998, Derek, give me your thoughts and what you remember from it. I remember a lot from it. I mean, that was almost like the head of the Attitude Era. I mean, it was huge. You had X-Pac and Owen Hart were going up against each other in a singles match. Phenomenal match. The Rock and Dan Severn, back when, uh, you know, I had the old UFC guys coming in for the first time. Him and Ken Shamrock were in it. And, uh, of course, Undertaker and Mankind, Hell in a Cell match. I will never, never forget that. And that was like one moment, well, when I was older and realized that wrestling was, you know, what it is, that in disbelief, did this really happen? Are you serious? Is he okay? Is, yeah, it was... I forgot who I was at that moment at the time. And as it was probably the most pay-per-views go, I've never been that shocked during a pay-per-view, period. And it was just everything just came to a head. It was the Kane and Stone Cold were each other in the first blood match. I remember that. And as Ken Shamrock, Jeff Jarrett, semifinal King of the Ring, you just really couldn't get much better than that at the time. I mean, that was the hottest ticket of the summer. And then you had the SummerSlam with Stone Cold and the Undertaker and the whole uh, Highway to Hell thing. But for me, I mean, this just really was the ultimate summer of 1998 with uh, the whole Monday Night Ratings War. Had to be you know, the hottest time in wrestling I can ever remember. And uh, this pay-per-view itself for the WWE just put them above and beyond WCW. And it just really took it over from there and they just continued to amaze throughout the whole ratings war thing that they had. Yeah. So it was probably top five pay-per-views of all time. It wasn't, I don't think it was a, 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 a hugely exciting card from top to bottom. Uh, the, I remember the first blood match uh, when Kane won the, won the title and uh, lost the, the night after. Um that was the last match of the night. It was it was really tough to top, you know, the Taker and Mankind match. Uh, it was only a little bit over 15 minutes long. I mean, I mean that's 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 long for a match, but it just seemed like it was because there were so many uh, spots where they were trying to recuperate Mick Foley 
that you know it was so many high spots and just it just seemed a little it, it seemed short as far as wrestling is concerned but just it it drug out because of just trying to recuperate uh foley but yeah it was a very interesting and then Sh- shamrock to me beating the rock in the finals match was a bit of a surprise for me that they wanted to give the reins to uh to 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 shamrock real quick before we get to the predictions uh, last match that Mark Henry run on Raw, August 4th, 2014, defeating Damian Sandow. Last match that he won on SmackDown was by disqualification against Luke Harper, August 12th, 2014. Absolutely incredibly ridiculous. Uh, oh, wow. Okay, uh, let's get to, let's get to, uh, we got about, uh, less than a minute for, uh, predictions. Owens right back there. Who you, uh, who you got? I've got Owens going up. Owens to me as well. Tag team championship. Does the neighbor do they retain it or do they lose it to the Dudleys? Uh, I would say they lose it to the Dudleys. That would make sense I, to me. I agree. I think they lose it to the Dudleys and get it back at uh, TLC in December. Rollins came for the world championship. Who wins? Uh, of course, Rollins will win. Absolutely. Uh, Charlotte versus Nikki. Uh, Charlotte, I think we'll retain. Yep. Uh, Reigns, Wyatt. Reigns, of course. Yes, absolutely, I agree. Who wins the six-man match, faces or heels? Uh, I'd say the faces will win. I agree. Taker, Lesnar. I'm going to go with the Undertaker. I agree. Les, I agree. Taker wins. And who is the person against the Open Challenge, and will he win? Uh, the, of the Open Challenge, I want to say it's probably Cesaro, and I think he will. I say Dean Ambrose, and yes, Dean Ambrose wins. We'll talk about that more next week. And thoughts about the pay-per-view. Until next week, have a great weekend. God bless, and see you then. Bye-bye.